Is the Bible intimidating for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through God's Word? Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but let's face it. It can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Volume 1, based on the 39 books of the Old Testament, is now available for pre-order, and I'd like to send you a copy. Here's Brian with details. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available for pre-order. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and 8 ebooks. To pre-order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Well, Pastor Rod, I'm sure many of our listeners are looking forward to reading this important book. I know I am. So let's talk about some of the challenges you faced as you put this project together and tell us why these two volume books can be such a great resource for anyone listening right now. Brian, I knew The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible would be a pretty big challenge to write as a two-volume set, as challenging to write as the Bible is intimidating for some people to read. But it was truly a labor of love, as is reading God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. I'm hopeful that these resources will show the readers just how beautifully the whole of the Bible fits together into an inspired and unified love letter from God to every member of His creation. Pastor Ron, thank you. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to pre-order Volume 1 of this great resource for your gift of $30 or more. Or call our offices, 757-276-1099. And if you would like to mail your check, our address is P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Well, the Christian church is worldwide, but it's also localized. We have community churches, life groups, small group Bible studies, but no matter where they are, however large or small, they should have at least one practical thing in common. Dr. Ron shares that commonality with us next as he continues his Something Good radio teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, second and third John, walking in truth, love, and obedience. All politics is local. How many times have you heard that phrase? Uh, we can just go up the road a few hours and we're in the nation's capital and you know, politicians in Washington, D.C. like that phrase, you know, all politics is local. It reminds me of a particular politician from many, many years ago. His name was Thomas Tip O'Neill. 
He served as the Speaker of the House of Representatives for a period of time. He was a representative from Boston, uh, Massachusetts, I think northern Boston. And, and he, he was particularly attuned to this idea that all politics are local. He was a savvy politician. And oftentimes he would defeat his legislative opponents by taking a national bill and making a local issue out of it. That's some savvy politics. He would push his opponents into the corner and say, if you don't vote for this bill, it's gonna affect your local election. That's just, that's hardball politics in Washington, right? And because of that skill, Tip O'Neill served as Speaker of the House from 1977 to 1987, that's 10 years, five congressional terms, that makes him the longest, actually the third longest serving speaker of the House of Representatives in the United States of America. You say, Pastor, what does that have to do with the ultimate road trip through the Bible? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because in a similar way, all New Testament ministry is congregational. It's localized. The body of Christ worldwide is localized into churches. And most churches even further localize into smaller neighborhood groups or what we call life groups. Back in the first century, as the early church grew larger, it also grew smaller. And the same has been happening for 2,000 years. As Christians, we are simultaneously part of something larger and smaller. We're part of something that's worldwide and localized down to our own neighborhood in the congregation we're a part of. I want us to keep that in mind as we arrive at the next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. The Apostle John wrote 2nd and 3rd John as sort of follow-up postcards to his first epistle, known as 1st John. And 1st and 2nd John, rather 2nd and 3rd John, are smaller because, uh, well, John says at the, each, at the end of each of these postcards, I have more to say to you, but I'm anticipating a face-to-face -face encounter. So he just writes a brief thing to kind of get the conversation started. But oh, 2nd and 3rd John are just packed with um, incredible insights into local church congregational life. The Lord sort of lifts the lid on the church and gives us a peek inside. John writes 2 John to a specific house church. We would call it a life group maybe. And he addresses this house church as the elect lady and her children. We don't know exactly who that is, but uh, that's how he addresses them. He refers to himself as the elder in 2 and 3 John. In 2 John, the word truth appears three times in John's salutation. And he commends the elect lady and her, her children for walking in the truth, which is synonymous for obeying God's commandments. He also commends them for loving one another. And in doing so, he draws from some powerful themes that he's already written about in, uh, in 1 John. And then uh, John warns this small congregation about the false teachers. Uh, these are the false teachers he wrote about in 1 John and distributed that letter to the broader network of, of house churches. So with all of that as background, let's, let's go first to 2 John and uh, explore this a little bit further. And under kind of the category of walking in truth and love, this is where John begins. 
and continues the conversation from 1 John. Let's pick it up in verse 4, where he says, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Now, John writes with that uh, trademark fatherly tone that we got to know in his first letter, and he revisits the major themes he wrote about in his first epistle. He, he commends the elect lady and her children for walking in the truth. He says, just as we were commanded by the Father. Twice, John mentions the commandment which they uh, heard, he says, from the beginning. Uh, a simple commandment, to love one another. And uh, by the time John wrote this epistle, there were probably 50 or 60 years that had passed since Jesus delivered this uh, very simple commandment about loving one another in the upper room. 50 or 60 years had passed. Remember, John is now an aging apostle. He's the last of the living apostles. And since Jesus taught this important command, uh, the truth hasn't changed, is John's implication. We, we heard this from the beginning, and it hasn't changed. By the way, it hasn't changed in 2,000 years either. Love God, love one another. Jesus said those are the first and second commandments, and it fulfills the entire law. Love God, love one another. And he brought his disciples back to that truth of loving one another uh, in the upper room. In fact, in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And you also are to love one another. And then he goes on to say this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I remember years ago, I was living in Houston, Texas, and there was a church that advertised itself as the oasis of love. I wouldn't just love to attend a church that calls itself the oasis of love. I thought it was kind of corny, but uh, it was actually very biblical, very, very thoughtful. The idea was that when you came to this church, you stepped inside a place where you, 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 you knew that you were loved by God and loved by others. Every church, whether they call themselves this or not, should be a church that is, uh, in fact, an oasis of love. Uh, Jesus went on to say in the upper room there, John chapter 15 and verse 10, he ties obedience to love and to our intimacy with God. If you keep my commandments, Jesus said, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Again, John is carrying over this idea from the first epistle into his second, to love one another and, and one another, that phrase one another, is one of the most rich and powerful phrases that we will read in the New Testament. One another is two words in English, one word in the Greek language. The Greek word appears 100 times in the New Testament in 94 different verses. 47 of these verses are directed at believers and instructing us in how we are to relate to one another in the body of Christ. For example, Galatians 6 and verse 2, bear one another's burdens. 
Ephesians 4 and verse 25, speak truth to one another. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 18, comfort one another. James 5 and verse 16, pray for one another. Galatians 5 and verse 13, serve one another. And I could go on and on and on and on. All of these one another passages uh, describe for us uh, the way uh, congregational life Uh, the way local church ministry is to happen, authentic biblical community. And of course, the phrase love one another is the one that is most popular in the New Testament, rooted in the upper room discourse that John gave to, or that Jesus gave to his disciples, and that John, the beloved disciple who was leaning into Jesus, heard on the night before Jesus was crucified. Love one another appears in the New Testament more than any other one another phrase. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Second and Third John, Walking in Truth, Love, and Obedience. If you're new to the program, we want you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can share these internet and radio broadcasts the whole year through. Join the 828 Club right from our website or give us a call, 757-276-1099. That's 757-276-1099. False teaching was a problem for the early church more than 2,000 years ago. It's still a problem today. Here's Ron with the second half of today's Something Good radio message, Second and Third John, Walking in Truth, Love, and obedience. And friends, the way we love one another says that we are Jesus's followers and that we are walking in the truth. Jesus said the outside world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this is the first thing we must do, love God, love one another. You say, well, how, how, do we, how do we love one another, Pastor? What does that look like? Well, if we had time, we could go to Paul's letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, and we could read, as we did previously, this beautiful uh, description, some of the most beautiful literature in, in all of human history, but certainly in the Word of God, a description of how we love. Love is a verb. Love is something you put into action. It's patient, it's kind, and, and so forth. So that's, that's the, one of the major themes in 2 John. He says, I commend you for walking in the truth, walking in obedience to God's commands, and, and, and loving one another. And then John, again, picks up from his first letter and writes to this specific house church, the elect lady and her children, and warns about false teachers. Let's pick it up in verse 7. He says, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. I'll come back to that in a moment. He says, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Now listen to this. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, 
Do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him and uh, whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. That's a pretty strong word from John. But he, he wanted to send fair warning to this house church about the false teachers. Uh, he commended the elect lady and her children for walking in the truth and loving one another, but John took nothing for granted because he knew as he was sending out uh, itinerant preachers and missionaries and they were making their way around to the house churches, he knew that there were false teachers that crept into their midst and they were making their way around to the house churches as well and they were uh, spreading their false teaching. By the way, the same false teaching threatens the body of Christ today, and we need to be on the alert. Only today, false teachers can infiltrate the church through many other uh, ways, via technology. They don't even have to be physically present to spread their false teaching in and among Christians today. By the way, uh, too, every heresy the church faces today is a rehash of some false doctrine the church has dealt with over the last 2,000 years. For example, in the first century, the Gnostics, John says, did not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. What does he mean by that? Well, Gnosticism presented a false Jesus, a mistaken Jesus, um, an erroneous Jesus. The Gnostics taught something called dualism, and that was the idea that what really mattered was the spirit. Uh, the body and the flesh, the Gnostics said, was inherently evil. Therefore, God did not have a body. And the Christ, the Messiah, did not come in the flesh. That's a false Jesus. Because John says in John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Sorry, Gnostics, you haven't read the Gospel of John. But they were presenting a false Jesus. And um, today, deceptive views of Jesus abound. John was concerned that the elect lady and her children would, would, uh, would not follow the false teachers and, and lose their eternal reward. Not their salvation, but he says your reward. That's a whole other discussion that we could have. And John goes on to offer no wiggle room about our relationship to false teachers. He says that any association with the deceiver makes us partakers of their wicked works. So he says, if you know of a false teacher, don't invite him over to your house. Don't extend any hospitality. If you see him in the Harris Teeter, don't even greet him, he says. No greetings to false teachers. If you associate with a false teacher who is presenting a false and erroneous Jesus, it's as though you are partakers in their wicked works. So, in 1 John, John is telling us to have fellowship with the Father. In 2 John, he's telling us to avoid fellowship with false teachers. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because John knows just how um, destructive false teaching can be uh, in the church. And um, there are grave consequences for such. Now that brings us to 3 John. And the book of 3 John is uh, the shortest book in the Bible with only 15 verses. That's why I call it just a little postcard that he wrote. And unlike 1 and 2 John, the names of real people take center stage. Uh, in 2 John, he writes to the elect lady and her children. Kind of a, you know, 
mysterious uh, identification. John even calls himself the elder. But in 3 John, John directs this little postcard to a specific member of a specific house church. And he writes to a man named Gaius. And he refers to Gaius as my dear friend or my beloved friend three times in this uh, very brief postcard. Let's pick it up in verse one. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in uh, good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. Now John wants the best for his friend, and he says, um, you know, Gaius, as your, as your soul is prospering, I also want your life to prosper and your health to prosper. Here is a true friend who wants the best for his friend. Uh, John rejoices after hearing from others that his friend is walking in the truth. Uh, those that were reporting to John were probably the itinerant preachers that he was sending around, the missionaries that were going around to the house churches. They came back and said, hey, there's this guy named Gaius. He, he is doing it right. He is walking in the truth. And that caused uh, John to sort of swell with the pride of a father. And he says in uh, verse 4 of 3 John, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. In this case, this was John's uh, children in the faith. Uh, he had invested in their, their, their lives. Maybe he led Gaius to faith in Christ. We don't know. But this is the kind of verse, too, that every parent and grandparent uh, uh, can, can embrace. I have no greater joy than to know that my children or my grandchildren are walking in the truth. Conversely, nothing grieves a Christian parent's heart more than to know that their child or their grandchild is wayward and is not following Christ. Maybe they grew up in the church, they know better. It grieves our heart, but when they're walking in the truth, boy, John just, uh, uh, his heart was full of joy. John goes on to commend Gaius not only for walking in the truth and love and for obeying God's commandments, but Gaius is a generous man, and he's a hospitable man. And he uh, opened up his home and opened up the church and opened up his wallet to the traveling itinerant pastors and missionaries who came through. Let's pick it up in verse 5 where John writes, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be uh, fellow workers for the truth. What John is saying is, uh, Gaius, three cheers for you. Three cheers for you, for your generosity, for your hospitality. Three cheers, Gaius, for extending the gospel through your generosity and your hospitality by financially supporting those, he says, who served for the sake of the name. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. 
Today's message, 2nd and 3rd John, walking in truth, love, and obedience, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. Look for Something Good Courses when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Now, I love the fact that we have these little postcards in the Bible, because God's just sort of lifting the lid on all the politics of the church, right? All politics is local. That may work in Washington, D.C., but we don't need politics in the church. That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, Second and Third John, Walking in Truth, Love, and Obedience. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.